You're listening to Activisms, a podcast about people doing incredible and incredibly helpful things. In this episode, you'll be hearing from Kelsey Skaggs, a Harvard Law student I met at the 350.org Guardian Day about divestment. Uh, My name is Kelsey Skaggs. I'm a law student at Harvard Law School, and I'm part of the divestment campaign at Harvard and one of three law students who are leading a litigation effort to compel the university to divest. What struck me is how she and her group, the Harvard Climate Justice Coalition, are combining activism and law, setting a precedent for climate campaigns around the world. Yeah, I think that I'd be really happy to see other campaigns using law as a tool. I think there's a lot of potential for it to be um, a powerful thing that campaigns do alongside other forms of action. So, what is divestment? Here's Julia Christian, who led the Fossil Free SOAS campaign, and successfully got the London University to invest its money elsewhere. Um, So divestment is um, calling upon uh, institutions, so it could be universities, pension funds, uh, churches, religious institutions, uh, because they often have portfolios um, that they use to make more money to run the university or to pay for people's pensions. So to remove, uh, to take shares in fossil fuel companies, Uh, oil and gas and coal companies um, out of their funds, out of their investment funds. Uh, The model divestment campaign on which future ones have been based uh, was a series of campaigns against um, apartheid in the 1980s, uh, where a number of um, US universities, including the University of California and a couple of other really big ones, uh, divested from South African companies. And this is sort of popularly acknowledged to have made um, a significant impact on the sort of international delegitimization of the apartheid regime and its eventual collapse. In her talk, Kelsey said she was using law as a tool to put pressure on the administration, who were not open to dialogue. But first, what was the lawsuit? And how did it work? We filed the lawsuit last fall, and there are two separate legal grounds for our claim. The first is essentially that uh, the Harvard Corporation is violating their charitable obligations by investing in fossil fuels. So we are students who are the beneficiaries of the public charity um, and of the endowment that the Harvard Corporation manages. Um, And we're also um, people who study environmental issues, um, environmental law in my case, um, and all of the plaintiffs are people who have an interest about talking about climate change on campus and having this be part of their educational experience. Um, and the founding documents of Harvard say that they have to manage the endowment to promote the advancement and education of the youth and also take care of the physical campus. Both of those things are threatened by climate change, clearly. Um, so that's kind of the more technical count. So the claim was this. Climate change is harming the campus and the future of the current students. So investing in it is against Harvard's own policy. How did that go? Yeah, we filed in the fall, um, and we were met with motions to dismiss, unsurprisingly, um, from the Harvard Corporation and their management, the Money Management Corporation. Even more amazing is the next claim. The other is a tort claim, which means you know private injury. Um, so we bring that claim on behalf of future generations, actually, rather than ourselves as individuals. Um, so we're arguing that basically the climate change harms to which Harvard is contributing through their investments um, harm future generations. That's you know pretty much not up for debate at this point. Um, it's a question, obviously, whether court would recognize that future generations have 
the right to bring that sort of thing or that we have the right to bring it on behalf of them. That's right. The Harvard Climate Justice Coalition are suing the university on behalf of people who may not even be born yet. You may be thinking, that's ridiculous. But Kelsey goes on to say that these proceedings have actually achieved a key goal of the campaign, to get Harvard representatives who wouldn't stand in the same room as the campaign as before the lawsuit to start talking about divestment. On the website of the Harvard Climate Justice Coalition, divestlawsuit.org, they list precedents of successful suing of nonprofits. What's also amazing about this whole thing is that the court fees were crowdfunded and all of the paperwork is going online on their website so that other lawyers at other universities can replicate the process. And for me, the best bit about all of this is that the students are doing it on their own. Uh, we brought the case as students on our own um, without any representation um, and although there were many people who have helped us along the way and some who offered to represent us in court, um, we turned that down because it's about our relationship to the university, we want that to be front and center and also because as young people it's about our future um, and, and also because we, we had done all the work and we felt very strongly that um, we wanted the legal claims to be presented in a certain way. Amid these successes, how is the Harvard Corporation reacting? Yeah, so they've definitely told us, um, you know, when they give many reasons for not divesting, one of them has been because it doesn't make financial sense. Um, we hear that less often now, actually. They've more switched to the argument um, that it's, uh, the endowment isn't a political tool, which is just ridiculous because if divestment is political, then investment is political, um, and you have to make a call. You can't be neutral on this issue. Um, so I think that it definitely wouldn't be you know, financially catastrophic for, for yeah. the university. Um, it's more a question of whether they're going to take a stand or not, especially now because we've been you know, raising the profile of this issue. Other universities in the US, such as Syracuse and Stanford, have begun fossil fuel divestment. This looks like a trend, not just American, but global, with ANU in Australia and Glasgow and Oxford in the UK. Kelsey explained that the divestment movement as a whole isn't about financially bankrupting so much as morally bankrupting fossil fuel companies. That's for the impact of the fossil fuel divestment movement. But in terms of the Harvard Climate Justice Coalition, I'd say that the scope of the fight is even broader 
of changing the legal system in the US to encompass the damage climate change can have on future generations. There's definitely a larger movement to get law to respond to climate change because right now it really doesn't. And that is the way law evolves, is by people bringing new claims and saying, I'm being harmed by this, this is something that our legal system has to address. And it's happened before, um, after the Industrial Revolution, a lot of new things you could sue for came into being. Um, in the US, at least, sexual harassment wasn't really a tort until uh, as recently as the 1970s. Um, so there's always, there has to be new people, or new issues being put forward in law for it to happen, and maybe the first hundred times you'll lose, um, but eventually it'll become part of the law. And so I think it can be very powerful just to put forward these new arguments and new ideas and say, this is happening, the legal system needs to respond to it. Um, and that, that's one thing, um, you know, future generations are not recognized as a party who can sue in US law. Um, but one of the reasons that we put it that forward is because we think it's really important that law start adapting to that. Um, and I think that lawyers have an important role to play in making sure that the implementation of climate change solutions is done in a way that's just and inclusive. So that's it for this episode of Activisms. If you want to keep up to date on the Harvard Climate Justice Coalition's progress, or to look at the details of the cases, visit diverselawsuit.org. Thanks so much to Kelsey Skaggs for speaking to me. The song you're currently listening to and the other sounds in this episode were by me. I'm Leonor Schick. Thanks for listening.